is the Eagle Tribune Sports Podcast, and uh, we got a special guest for you today. Bill Burt's already left. Uh, he's heading down to Tampa for this week's game. So we got Chris Mason in the house. Chris, how you how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Let's so, talk some baseball. Yeah, yeah. So we're here, obviously, to talk about the uh, Red Sox today. And uh, you know, I think it's funny. When did you start? When did you start working for us? Uh, back in like March, right? Yeah, right around then. So obviously, you and I have talked a lot by like text, by tweet, by phone. But I think this is the first time you and I have ever actually met, right? I thought so. When I walked in the office, I was like. I don't know that we've actually met before. It's yeah, funny. I mean, it's kind of we funny all the time. Yeah. You're always down at Fenway, and I'm usually up here in North Andover or wherever. Yeah. So it's kind of funny, but it's uh, great to finally meet you, and uh, why don't we just uh, hop right to it. So Red Sox and Astros, uh, first game is on Thursday. Chris Sale versus Justin Verlander is the matchup. We've been looking forward to this one. So what do you, what do you think? you got obviously a marquee pitching matchup. These two teams just basically had an extended scouting mission against each other to end the season. How do you see this one shaking down? I'm really excited for game one. That's Those are two alpha pitchers right there. I mean, Verlander's been everything that they could have ever expected since they traded him. 5-0, his ERA is like a 1.06. I mean, he's been dominant. And then you have Sale on the other side. I mean, over 300 strikeouts this year. Really, he's going he's gonna to be in the Cy Young conversation. I think ultimately he'll go to Kluber because of the way he was down the stretch, but... I mean, this is just two guys that can absolutely pitch. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, I mean, Chris Sale was incredible all season long, but he does have a bit of a track record of slowing down in the second half, and that turned out to be the case again this year. But he's never pitched in the playoffs. How do we? What do we think about him in this situation? I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I mean, he knows this is what he came here for. It was funny. So after they clinched on Saturday, Sale talked. And he's having a scrum, and he keeps talking about how people are asking how great it is to finally be in the playoffs, to finally win a division. And he's so excited, of course. He, he might have been the most excited guy in there. But then somebody asked him about how do you feel about game one, and he immediately was like, this is what I'm brought here to do. Like, he went from, like, he flipped the switch to, like, yes, this is it's going to be all business. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm curious right out of the gate to see what he's like in the first inning. Because in the past, when he's gotten a little too amped up, his velocity has gone through the roof and he's lost a little command. That happened when he went back to Chicago for his first start in May. That was like his only uh, really rough start of the entire first half. And you could tell that he was just so amped up. Like his velocity was sitting at 99, which it's usually closer to 96, 97. So I think you'll be able to tell a lot just in the first inning, like what, which, which shale you're getting. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously a very intense person. He's never been afraid to... Uh, tell you exactly what's on his mind it seems like this is he'd be a natural uh a natural to pitch well in the postseason so based on you you've been around him a little bit this season do you think that this is the sort of thing he'll rise to the challenge or is it a decent chance that he may actually psych himself out i think he'll uh i think he'll rise to the occasion the only thing is this astros lineup is legit you know it's not like it's not like the white Sox where you could look at it and be like oh you're too amped up and this is on you like if he gets hit, a lot of that could just be Houston's lineup because they're stacked, man. Yeah, I mean, I think you wrote in your piece the, uh, today. The Astros, what is it? They have like seven guys, eight guys who have OPSs over 800. Seven guys, yeah. And, yeah. and that, Mookie's, Mookie's the only one on the Sox who can say that. So, I mean, what does it take to get those guys out? I mean, you just have to – it's not impossible. It's very difficult. I mean, Drew Pomerantz kind of showed you that on Saturday when he threw – he was shut out through six. I think ultimately he got tagged for a run, but that was like an inherited runner that scored. They are beatable, but you just have to be absolutely on your game. There's very little margin for error. Nice, nice. So, and then we got, uh, I mean, the Red Sox, obviously, they've their, their lineup has been what it's been all year. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Red Sox uh, offense has enough to beat Houston's pitchers? 
maybe for a game. I don't think they do for the whole series. I mean, they could get hot. When they're hot, <laughs> they can hang with anybody. But this lineup just, like, the hitting comes and goes so often with them. That, I mean, if it goes away, you're asking so much of your pitching staff. So I, I think their bats can win them a game, but I don't know about the series. If the offense isn't going to be good enough, then how, is it, how do the Red Sox win the series? I don't think they do if the offense isn't good enough. I think that's what it comes down to is like they need some timely hitting and they need their pitchers to pitch like they had for most of the year. I mean, this last turn through the rotation hasn't been great. It really, Pomerantz is the only one that really pitched well the last time through. So they, they're going to need a lot from their pitching staff and they need some hitting. Now, pitching wise, we have uh, Drew Pomerantz will be pitching game two. Mm-hmm. He was the, you know, the last turn through the rotation. His start was the only really good one. Are we confident about him versus Dallas Keuchel? I mean, Keuchel's another, he's a legit pitcher. Like, that should be another good pitching matchup. But uh, I'm really curious to see Pomerantz. I, I'd probably feel differently if he hadn't pitched so well the last time through. But now it's like, okay, maybe maybe he can do it. Just because before that, the velocity had been down. And you're wondering, like, he has a career high in innings pitch. Is that taking a toll on his arm? I mean, he had the stem cell shot in the offseason. Obviously, it's an ongoing issue. But after Saturday, you know, the way he pitched, sure. <laughs> We'll see if he can deliver. Yeah, so I mean, I guess if you're thinking, you know, Chris Sale and Drew Pomerantz both pitch well, maybe the Red, that's how the Red Sox can steal this series. Mm-hmm. Game three is a big question mark, though. We don't, I, they still haven't announced who's going to start, right? Nope, I have not. No, so who do you think it's going to be? It's, it's really tough to try and read Farrell's mind on this one. Personally, I would throw Doug Fister. He's the only starter that's actually won a playoff game. He's someone that you can have a pretty short leash for, and I think he's going to make the roster anyways. I don't know how useful he'd be out of the bullpen. But I, I would start him, then just have uh, have guys ready right out of the gate if he starts to stumble. I'd feel like Eduardo Rodriguez would still be the guy to go with. I know his last start was terrible, but right before that, he'd had an incredible start out in Cincinnati. And he's been solid all season. If it wasn't for that last start, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Exactly. Him, right? But that's just, I mean, against that same lineup, when you record five outs and get the hook, it's, it's tough. I mean... His set, he's been so streaky since he came back from that knee injury where he was, you know, he was really struggling for a month. Then he got hot in September. Up until that last start, he was pitching really well. But I don't know. I don't know uh, if you can trust him in this situation. I don't know if you can trust Doug Fister either. But can you trust Rick Porcello? No. Right. So, so it's, it's pick your poison, right? Yeah. I mean, these guys are all they're good pitchers. They've had good starts. They have. It's not like we're talking about. You know, Clay Buckholtz, you know, pitching with one arm or something. Like, yeah. These guys are – Rick Porcello won the Cy Young last year. Like, the fact that we're having this conversation with him at all is kind of an indictment, but it is what it is. So It's, it's just crazy what a difference a year can make. I mean, Cy Young last year, and he ties the Red Sox record for most home runs allowed in the season this year. It's crazy. But I, I just – I mean, and Fister pitched well enough against Houston the last time through. I think it was like five innings, three runs, and that's really all you're asking of the game three starter is like – Basically, if you can give him five innings, three runs, get to Price, and then Price can get to Reed Kimbrell, that's your formula for success. I was going to get to Price. So like, if, the, if we're not confident in the starters, Price is going to have to play a big role yep. one way or another, right? Yep. It's interesting. Out of the bullpen, too, um, I wasn't a huge believe. I wasn't convinced until Saturday. They're like, okay, everyone makes the Andrew Miller comparison over and over again. But it's like the thing that makes Miller elite is that he can do it back-to-back days, and he's just dominant. And even... Like when Price pitched in Cincinnati, he had he ended up being like two shutout innings, but they weren't dominant. It wasn't the command wasn't there. You could tell afterwards he was kind of ticked off too. But he was. I mean, Saturday is when I was like, okay, he can do this. When he pitched Friday, threw over twenty pitches, 
went to Farrell and said, I can go back-to-back days. I'm ready today if you need me. And then they bring him in in a huge leverage spot, like the, by far the biggest regular season spot he's ever been in with the Red Sox, where he comes in with a tying run at the plate. He's got runners on second and third. And there are so many excuses that he could have made. You know, oh, my arm was tired. Oh, it was raining. It was miserable. But he just did the job. And, I mean, he struck out uh, George Springer to get out of that threat three pitches. It's like, okay, three fastballs, a little more convinced now than I was. There was It answered a lot of questions because before the whole thing was, can he pitch on back-to-back days? Yeah. There, there went a while where they were using him every five days like he was a starter still. Yeah, I think they were trying to figure out whether or not they could stretch him out. The whole, the whole clean inning thing, that was a whole staple of talk radio for a couple of weeks. Yep. You know, so I guess it's encouraging. But his whole thing is that you know he's never won a playoff game as a starter, and I, I guess that unless something changes, that's going to remain the case. But do you think if he pitches well and the Red Sox make a deep run, do you think David Price will enjoy at least some measure of redemption or is this sort of not really in the cards this time? Oh, I think there will definitely be some redemption there. I mean, if you just look at the response he's gotten at Fenway the last couple times he came out, if you look at where he was in July when everyone had the pitchforks ready after the Eckersley thing, and the guy got like a standing O the other day, you know, at Boston – Ultimately, it just comes down to how you pitch. So if he can do that, sure, I think he can win a lot of people back. We saw with Lackey in the 2013 playoffs. Great example. You know, I guess we'll sort of see. Um, So the other day, uh, John Farrell uh, gave a press conference. Uh, I I heard this one on Zoe and Bertrand when I was coming into work. It made me laugh. So listen to this. This is what John Farrell said about the upcoming postseason. He says, I think the fact that we've experienced it last year served in retrospect. It serves as a stepping stone, hopefully that a lot of the firsts are out of the way, including disappointment. And knowing that disappointment and what it felt like and the bitter taste it leaves, we felt that it was an added incentive as we approached spring training and the start of the, this year. Now, get ready for this one. Mm-hmm. We become what our experiences give us, and we're looking forward to starting this off. Some uh, deep words of wisdom from Sean Farrell. <laughs> Profound. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you what do you think? I mean, is uh, do you think do you think there's anything to that that last year maybe could help them? In, uh, the fact that they really didn't do so well in the playoffs. I do, just because you had so many young guys there that were experiencing it for the first time. Like Betts is a good example there, where I think he hit maybe 200 in that series, but the entire team had just like a deer in the headlights type look. You know, especially in Cleveland, it just looked like they were in over their heads. And so I think that experience can help. We'll see how much it helps. And again, like, I think this Astros team is legit. So I think they could, you know, play as, the Red Sox could play as well as they can and still lose the series because of the way Houston's built. But I, I do think that last year can be something they can draw from. Yeah, and, you know, I think at the time, I don't know if everybody realized that Cleveland was as good as they were because they were so depleted on pitching, yeah. too. They, they really, like, that was really something. They're not going to be surprising anybody this no. year. And Houston, they're sort of built like that, too. I mean, not exactly the same way, but they have that lineup. They have the pitching. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you wrote that their middle relief is a little bit suspect, but the, you know, the, their closer, their, the back end of their bullpen is yeah. strong. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenge. But, uh, so, I guess, what would you say is our official prediction for this one? How, do the, how does this one go down? I got Astros in four. I think the Sox will take one game, but I, I just think Houston is built too well. Yeah, you know what? I'm inclined to agree. I don't see the Red Sox getting swept, but I think Houston probably should be favored in this one. But, you know, of course, if the Red Sox do uh, pull it off and then move on to the ALCS, I don't see anybody complaining. No, no, I don't think so either. Nice. But it's just, I mean, this, this Astros team still finished with 101 wins. They were bad in August. After the trade deadline, like, they didn't pick anyone up after the first trade deadline. And then ultimately they made the Verlander move at the waiver, like, 
at the 11th hour. I think it went through league office at like 11.58. And that kind of regalvanized them. And, I mean, they have Carlos Correa back, who they're a completely different team with him in the lineup. Like, I, I just think this is one of the most complete teams I've seen in some time, and it's a tough draw in the first round. Yeah, and the uh, and one thing we can't overlook, too, is the Hurricane Harvey factor. Yep. We know how uh, the Red Sox with the marathon bombings a couple of years ago it galvanizes a team and it galvanizes a city and maybe this is the sort of same sort of thing happening now with uh, with Houston. Exactly. It's one of those intangible things that's impossible to quantify, but you know it's real. Like if you were in Boston in twenty thirteen, like you know that it's a thing. So that's another factor they have going for them. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, you know what you know who'd be really happy to see the Astros advance and win the World Series? The front page editor for Sports Illustrated, whoever the guy was who, uh, back in 2014, when the Astros were engaging in a tanking project so bad that even Sam Hinkie would have uh, blushed, declared them the 2017 World Series champions. And maybe maybe not such a bad call at this point. No, it, it looks like a pretty good call, pretty crazy call, but it's pretty good. And it's interesting, too, that this isn't just, this team hasn't just been built through the draft. If you look at their offseason, they kind of... Uh, said, like, analytics be damned, we're going to sign some veteran leaders that we think we need, and they go out and get a Carlos Beltran, Josh Reddick. I know analytics people said that's not a guy that you'd spend $50 million on, but they were like, nope, we're spending $50 million on him. Who knows what the contract would look like in, like, three years, but right now he's been great. Yeah, I mean, Josh Reddick has always been a player that you can rely on, and Beltran's... And they got um, McCann, too, Brian McCann, the catcher, is another, like, oh, well, he's not an analytics guy, but he's a leader-type guy, so it's pretty interesting, like, meshing of draft analytics and just like some veterans that <laughs> it's probably coming across pretty clearly that I'm high on the Astros yeah no for sure I mean I, I'm a fan of them too but it is it is kind of funny just to remember where they were like six years ago oh yeah it was two or three years in a row they lost 100 games they're they like tried launching that new uh, regional sports network back when that was the bubble was still strong and mm-hmm. they, they basically like almost went out of business yep Oh, here we are now. Uh, now the Astros are looking awfully good. So we're going to take a quick break, and then after the, after we get back, we're going to talk about the rest of the playoffs, and then maybe uh, take a quick look ahead to the uh, Thursday night's game, uh, Patriots versus Tampa Bay. So hang tight. Hey, everyone. Mac here. So I know what you're probably thinking. That Bill Burt thinks he knows so much about football. I bet I could outsmart him. Well, I got good news for you. The annual I Beat Burt contest is back for its 21st season. Just like always, the rules are simple. Pick the weekend's games, and if you get more games right than Bill, you'll win an I Beat Burt t-shirt. You can enter by filling out and mailing in the entry blank in Wednesday's and Thursday's paper each week, or you can enter online at www.eagletribune.com forward slash You can also find more info on how to enter, contest rules, and tiebreakers there. All right, back to the show. All right, we are back. So, uh, Chris, why don't we look ahead to the rest of the American League playoffs? So, uh, so we're recording this on Tuesday. So, uh, the Yankees and the Twins play tonight. Uh, by the time most people hear this, that game will already be over. So, the winner of that game will move on to play the Indians on Thursday night. So, uh, regardless of who ends up winning the wild card, how we feel about that series? Uh, I like the Indians' chances. I think they're still pretty hard to pick against. I mean, if you just look at last year, and then the way Kluber's pitching right now, obviously their 22-game win streak, that was without Andrew Miller, and it's like, all right, now you got Andrew Miller in the mix, 
they added Edwin M. Carnacion this offseason, which I think only made them better, and that's a guy that I still think the Sox should have gone after. I think a lot of people thought that. I, I To be honest, not sure what, what they were thinking, but what are you going to do? I mean, I don't know. They're just so serious about the luxury tax for whatever reason in resetting that. I mean, Dombrowski said, oh, no, it wasn't like a firm thing that I couldn't go over, but I think if you look at their moves, it's pretty clear that there was some sort of mandate like, no, we need to reset this with a lot of young guys coming up. I, think, I mean, big picture, maybe that's probably smart, but it could okay. cost them, but... But Cleveland's, then you just see Encarnacion signing for like three years, sixty million, and it's like, oh, it's not a big deal for someone who just yeah. swings like that and always plays well as Fenway. But nothing you can do about that now. Yeah, Cleveland is just a wagon. You know yeah. what? I, I they remind me a little bit of the Royals uh, from a couple years ago. The Royals obviously had that great World Series against the Giants, but basically only lost because uh, Madison Bumgarner just came in and just yeah. went crazy in Game Seven. And what the next year they just come back and just win. If it winds up being the Yankees, then who knows? I mean, that's they got a good team, but I think Cleveland's got a, got a good chance of taking that one. Maybe yeah. even they could even sweep for all we know. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So anyway, uh, so w- what else we got? So uh, Colorado versus Arizona. That's in the NL Wild Card tonight at 8 p.m. I, to be honest with you, don't know a whole lot about either of these teams. I, when I actually saw the matchup, I was actually a little bit surprised. <laughs> but apparently Arizona's had a really nice year, and Colorado's bounced back. You know, what what can you what can you tell me about this uh, this matchup? Yeah, I mean you got Tori Lavulo and Mike Hazen, Red Sox guys in Arizona now. I think Lavulo should be manager of the year. I wrote that in my Sunday notes. I mean, he turned that team around. I think they won sixty nine games last year and now they're a wild card team and it just seems like a complete culture change. I'd go with Arizona in that game. They've got a, what is it, J.D. Martinez is his name, right? Yeah, they dealt for him. and He's he's just been unbelievable. Yeah, not a bad time. I think it was the first season in his career. He has an OPS over 900, too. As an impending free agent, it's not a terrible time to put a year together like that at 30, so he's going to get paid the offseason. Yeah, he is for sure. I mean, if it wasn't for Stanton and, you know, Aaron Judge, we would have been hearing about him all season, too. But that, that guy has been mashing some home runs recently. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Arizona move on just so we can get to know him a little better in the playoffs. Yeah. Looking ahead further, Cubs versus Nationals is uh, one of the NLDS matchups. Game one of that will be Friday at 7.31 p.m., oddly specific. But um, <laughs> reigning, the reigning World Series champions versus a team that has been kind of knocking on the doorstep for a while. What do we think about this one? I still like the Cubs. I mean, even though Lester's had a down year, I think it's really hard to pick against that team given the second half they've had. I mean, they you can talk about World Series hangover. They absolutely had one. You know, they were sleepwalking through the All-Star break, and then it was just kind of time, like, I remember seeing stories in July, like, oh, are the Brewers going to win the, the Central there? And it's like, no, no, the Cubs are going to, like, turn it on eventually. So I, I still have a pretty hard time picking against the Cubs. I mean, the Cubs still have a good team, but I, I, I just have a hard time picking against uh Washington's pitching. I mean, I know I know um, Scherzer was having some issues at his, after his last start. I'm not totally sure what his status is, but even if he can't go, they still have Strasburg and they still have Gio Gonzalez. So yeah. in a play, in a short series, if, if especially if Scherzer is good to go, I mean, how do you you gotta love that going in if you're a oh, Washington fan? I think that might be the most competitive. Well, actually, I definitely think that would be the most competitive divisional series between those two. It's, you know, it, that seems more like an NLCS series, but obviously the Dodgers have done what they've done, so you have three like legit teams yeah, in I'm, the NL. I'm definitely going to make sure to watch all those games for sure. I, I'm Personally, I would love to see the Nationals move on, just if nothing else, because the Cubs got theirs last year. You, you can never top what they did last year. That was just no. incredible. And Washington... You know, they, they they still haven't advanced past the first round, so it'd be kind of nice to see them make a move. And you know, they they have a fun team. I like the Nationals. 
I think I'd like to see the Cubs advance just because I think the Dodgers are going to cakewalk through whoever wins the wild card. Just to see, like, what is this the year the Dodgers can finally put it together? I, I just want them to have to go through the Cubs to do that. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I, I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing that either. The National League playoffs are going to be a blast. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so you just mentioned NL wild card versus Dodgers. Uh, I mean, come on. Is this going to be is this going to be a series or is this an easy sweep? <laughs> it's one of those ones you look at you on paper. It's like, oh, that should absolutely be a sweep. But those ones have a funny way of <laughs> going five games, you know? Yeah, the only reason I don't think anybody's saying the Dodgers should just be handed the trophy now is because they had that weird stretch where they lost 15 of 16. Yep. I mean, let's be honest. If they hadn't done that, what's their final record? Are they like 115 and whatever? Like, <laughs> I mean, they are, yeah. They're... I don't know how high they could have gone, but it was they, pretty they ridiculous. Were, they're like their pace was just sick. Yeah, it was an impossible pace, and I, they showed that. I guess I, mean, I guess they were due for a crash, but I, I so they'd probably argue, let's get this you know this junk out of the way now, mm-hmm. and then be good in the playoffs. So, uh, looking ahead, I mean, do we think do we have any uh, pre uh, pre playoff World Series predictions? It's just I, it's tough because they're just all so competitive, you know, like. Uh, I think I'm going with the Astros. I'm, I'm all in on Houston, I guess. I'm, I'm going to go with them over the Cubs. The Cubs? Yeah, I, I, right. got, I got the Dodgers falling apart again. All right, well, here's uh, here's my hot take of the week for you. I have uh, Cleveland. They're going to get the job done. They're going to win their first World Series since the World War II days, and they're going to beat the Washington Nationals to do it. There you go. I agree with you about the Dodgers. I'm, I'll believe it when I see it. Exactly. With those pitchers they've got... It looks like they shouldn't be beat until they always they always are. Mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw is not doesn't have a sterling postseason record, and they just have to be thrilled they're not going to see Baumgartner this year. Yeah, I'm sure they. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the Giants had what had what kind of year did they have? Pablo yeah. Sandoval, by the way, <laughs> how hilarious. how hilarious is that? The guy has the worst year ever. Basically, yeah. you know, booted out of town, goes you know back to San Francisco, and how does he repay his new team by? Just playing horrible, horrible baseball for months, and then on the last day of the season, he hits a walk-off home run to cost the team the number one overall pick. It's perfect. You that can't is, script that. Like if you saw that in a movie or something, you're like, "No, it's not real." There's no way that true. actually happens. I, I would just love, love to have been in the the owner's box at that, where they're just like, "Nice, awesome." <laughs> I mean, it's baseball, so the number two pick and the number one pick, it's not. Yeah, it's not the biggest thing in the world, but generally, but still, so <laughs> it's, funny. It's hilarious. On that note, why don't we let's talk some football real quick? So the uh, Patriots coming off a rough loss to the Panthers. Uh, the defense was not good, putrid, bad. Everything just it was a cavalcade of horrors, to yep. be honest. And, uh, and that's unfortunate because the offense was fine. And you know, for the fourth week in a row, they've they've done their job. Brady had a four, they erased a fourteen point deficit in the fourth quarter, and then. What happens? They get the stop, Gilmore gets a penalty, mm-hmm. and that's all she wrote. Uh, field goal to win the game. What are your thoughts on this? Just uh, what are the Patriots going to do on the, the short week to turn this around? It's, it's interesting just because I've been watching Tom Brady and Bill Belichick for a long time, and any time you really start to count them out and be like, ah, oh, yeah, like this defense just can't do it, that's when they'll turn it around. That's when they have the on the Cincinnati game. That's you know when it happens. But the secondaries look bad. I mean... The, the miscommunication that's still going on right now, it's like, all right, you had all of training camp, you're doing this all summer, we're into October and you're still having communication issues. And I thought what Deron Harmon said after the game was pretty telling. It was like, can you simplify it anymore? He's like, this is the simplified version. And the fact that they still can't get on the same page there, I mean, even um, Butler's interception in that game was a blown coverage. If Newton had looked 
if he looked to check down, he had a guy that was wide open, but yeah, instead he threw deep double through, coverage. Yeah, yeah, double coverage on that. So, yeah, it's it's telling. I mean, amazing, like, a couple weeks ago, we were all talking about how Malcolm Butler is definitely going to get traded. And now we look at it, it's like Stephon Gilmore has kind of been the problem all along, too. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't been good, really, at all. I mean, he's been okay in some games, but this past game was really having trouble thinking of a worse game a Patriot has had in recent memory. You know, between the penalties, the blown coverages, just... It was all he had to do was be okay, and they win that game, and said you get back. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, he just was not. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know what the solution is, but like obviously they, it's, it wouldn't be a good idea to bet against the Patriots because they looked like they were in dire straits two years ago. You know, for the on the Cincinnati this this year. So I, I was at this past game, and uh, in the locker room afterwards, everybody just kept on repeating the same thing: we just got to get better, we got to be better, we just got to do better. I think I wrote my piece after the game. Belichick said some version of that phrase like 21 times. Stefan Gilmore just basically kept repeating that, and it was a communication issue, and we'll, we'll do better. It was, the, it was obviously their talking point, but maybe you know sometimes if a talking point can become a mantra, then maybe it'll turn, in, turn out good. This year's do your job is we have to be better. <laughs> hey, if they end up winning the next like 10 games and they win the Super Bowl, that just might... It just hey, might happen. Yeah, you'll see it on a T-shirt before long. Yeah, or or they're going to go down to Tampa and let Jameis Winston clobber them. And uh, let's be honest, it's, is there a person? Is there a guy in the NFL you'd rather get, you know, beaten by worse than Jameis Winston, one of the most loathsome characters in the league? Yeah, I mean, and it's really interesting too because generally you think the home team is always the one with the advantage on the short week. Although actually, I, I feel like whenever the Patriots have a short week, they have the advantage because they're coaching. But still, it's like, all right, so you just had a terrible game, and you're asked to turn it around, go down to Tampa, and fix it in a week where you don't even have a padded practice. I mean, that's that's a tall order. <laughs> yeah. But I guess if it was communication, then, I don't know, maybe you can figure it out. Maybe maybe you just got to, like, lock all the – just everybody on defense, just lock them in a room for three days and just watch all the film, do all the meetings, do everything you have to do because, you know, obviously you don't have a chance to be out on the field. So just, you know – Beat it into their heads. This is what you do. This is what you do. Maybe just have Gilmore just be man up on Mike Evans or something. Yeah. And just, just let him play ball. Maybe, just, maybe yeah. that's the simplest thing. Don't let him think. Just say, just, just do this and go. And keep your hands off the face mask. Yeah, that too. <laughs> oh, his his explanation for that was pretty was pretty questionable too. They asked him, he's like, so what happened? And he's like, oh, I just jammed him. I was trying to get him in the chest, but I guess my hands moved up and maybe got him in the neck, and they called it. And it's like, come on, man, like just. Own it. Yeah, I just like, own it. Like, yeah. that's, that's pretty weak. Yeah, I see that. One other issue that I think, like, the offense is still scoring. Brady's getting hit a lot. Like, yeah. the offensive line has not had Sterling four weeks either. And, I mean, I know he's probably got a concussion water or something. You know, he thinks he can bounce back. But the 40-year-old quarterback, and they're getting him killed. Like, that's not a sustainable thing. Yeah, no, they got to do better there. I'm less worried about the line. They've, you know, had a few injuries and... My, my, my impression is they'll, they'll probably get those things worked out. Yeah, I mean, out. they always seem to figure it out, especially now that Skarnacki is back. Yeah, but the, it's just another thing that hasn't been great that's kind of flown under the radar. Yeah, like that'll, if they get better, that'll probably help the running game, which has sort of been like, it hasn't been great. I wrote about this the other day, too. It's, it looked more ordinary than we probably would have hoped. But my thinking is when Rex Burkhead comes back, it'll probably help alleviate a lot of issues yeah. there. You know, maybe the offense, they're going to be fine. I, I think we'll be it'll work itself out in time. But the way the defense looks, it's like you're, you're almost looking around like, which bench linebacker on some bad team can we steal, turn into Dante Hightower and fix this? Yeah, I mean, the personnel just 
does not look great. And that's almost why the most damning part is that it's the secondary it's not producing. Because if you look at the secondary on paper, I mean, you have... Supposed to be the strongest part of the team. It, and it really should be. If you look at the talent alone between... I mean, Gilmore and Butler are both... I don't know if Gilmore's been all-pro. Butler's been a second-team all-pro. Like, two legit corners. McCourty is one of the best safeties in the league. Chung is one of the best tackling safeties in the league. And Harmon plays a great center field. It's like, why is this the group that's causing the problems here? Yeah, really. And it's not even like you're letting the quarterback sit in the pocket. Like, there's no pressure at all. It's like, there's some pressure... Someone like Cam Newton shouldn't be able to put together a day like he did. Yeah, like the the, the front seven's been it's they've been okay. Like Trey Flowers yeah. should be better, but Dietrich Wise has been great. Dante Hightower, when he came back, he had a couple of big plays towards the end. They they limited his snaps too, so I'm sure when he's back full bore that yeah. that'll help a lot too. But yeah, the secondary that's really gotta it's gotta get better. That's, yeah. they just gotta they, they gotta, gotta get be better. better. Exactly. They just gotta be better. Yeah, so I guess I don't know. That's, why don't we wrap it up with that? So. I don't know, Chris, anything else you want to add about the Patriots, Red Sox, just life in general? Well, it's time to be a Boston, uh, be watching sports in Boston here. I mean, think about Thursday night. You got Pats on at night, you got the Red Sox in the afternoon, and the Bruins kick it off. I mean, aren't many other cities in the world that have sports like this. It's going to be fun. Yeah, Thursday nights are especially going to be a good time. All right, well, Chris, thanks so much for joining us. So we'll uh, get, this, uh, get this all wrapped up and uh, enjoy yourself down in Houston. You want to head down tomorrow? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, Houston should be a good time, so uh, enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, be sure to tell us all about it afterwards. Oh, I will. Thanks for having me on. Cool. All right. Thanks, man. Hey.